Hello, I'm Brenna Pakes, graduate gemologist with a background in geology, as well as a former flight attendant. I've worked in the retail sector and now as a jewelry consultant through a blog and podcast. My mission is to connect shoppers to indie jewelers and designers who create beyond the commercial boundaries for shoppers who want to distinguish their unique style. I also share tips on how to care for jewelry you already have, as well as the stories of the designers I feature. If you like jewelry that stands out and complements what makes you unique, then come with me today and board every episode for jewelry I've discovered by jewelers and designers who create with unique designs and rare gems for those who want to stand out rather than blend in with the trends. This is the Jewelry Navigator Podcast. If your destination is a place to learn about and find unique jewelry, then welcome aboard and enjoy the episode. Hi there. Welcome. This is episode number 19 of the Jewelry Navigator Podcast. Today, I'll be visiting with Deborah Halpern. She's created a brand new line called May Came Home, inspired by the E.E. Cummings poem, And she makes beautiful and colorful jewelry. It captivated me at the JA show in New York. And I can't wait to share her story with you. But I'll read to you from her about page. May Came Home is a vintage-inspired collection of statement pendants, signet rings, and charm earrings with colorful hand-painted enamel details. Playful animals and geometric shapes in kaleidoscope of color offer a touch of whimsy to your classic jewelry favorites. The May Came Home collection is informed by the extensive and diverse design background of creator Deborah Halpern. Born and raised in Manhattan, Deborah has made New York City her classroom with studies at FIT and a master's degree from Pratt Institute. She is influenced by the city's rich history, museums, and street life, and cites the collections at the Metropolitan Museum of Art as some of her greatest sources of inspiration. May Came Home, inspired by the E.E. Cummings poem, Maggie, Millie, Molly, and May, which celebrates the beauty and wonder to behold in a small object like that of the perfect piece of jewelry. Really enjoyed visiting with Debbie. Here's her story, and the interview. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy, busy schedule, I'm sure. Oh, no problem. No problem. Yeah. I'm excited to do so. I was reading over your your bio and your mm-hmm. about page, mm-hmm. and your story is so interesting. And we met about a week ago, just yes. to let my listeners yes. know. We met about a week ago at the Jewelers of America show in New York, and Debbie was included in an exclusive gallery of, along with nine other designers being introduced at the show. And I found your jewelry to be so welcoming and colorful, and it stood out to me. Well, thank so, you. Mm-hmm, I've been saving your jewelry for a special story. Last week, I, I touched on a few of the new designers in the last mm-hmm. episode. 
tell us about the name behind the line, how you came up with it, and your background and whatever else you want to share. So the name of the company, May Came Home, is from an E.E. E. Cummings poem. That's one of my favorite poems, and it's about, it's called Maggie, Millie, Molly, and May, and it's about four girls who go to the beach and kind of what they find there. The poem, I guess, is about, you know, self-discovery. Um, and so the last line of the poem is, May came home with a smooth round stone, as small as the world and as large as alone. And I just love that imagery because I lo- when I go to the beach, I love searching for beach glass and stones. And um, I actually have on the website um, sort of the inspiration for the color of the collection comes from when I was in college. I studied for a semester in Italy and my friend and I went off to the, it's going to sound very glamorous, but it was sort of the poor man's Italian Riviera. And I guess they must throw tiles into the water there and they wash up on the beach and they're kind of, they're rocks, but they're glazed. And I've had these stones, I've kept them, I've moved them through my life, and I kind of, with my own jewelry, love the idea of kind of taking either glass or resin and transforming it into something beautiful. It's a humble material, but you make it into something beautiful. And I was attracted to enamel because it's a way to use color without using gemstones. Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of the origin of the line. Um, I've actually been doing enamel for quite a while. Um, So I started out, um, I was in, I actually went to music and art high school in New York City. I'm a native New Yorker and then studied art in college. And when I first got out of school, I was working at just you know, a regular office job and was not too happy. So I started taking classes and I had wanted to take a hat making class at FIT, but for whatever reason it was closed and I said, oh, all right, I'll take jewelry. And that kind of began my journey. Um, So I took classes at FIT. I studied with um, Anthony Lent, was my first jewelry teacher. Sandra Boucher was my jewelry design teacher and uh, several others. Um, and then I took classes at, it's now called Jewelry Arts Institute, but at the time it was called Culex Dark Academy, and they kind of taught granulation and some enameling, although they did cloisonne enamel. So that was a kind of my introduction to the technique. Um, and then I decided, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I was walking in Soho with my mom where we lived, and I saw a sign in the window of the Robert Lee Morris store artware mm-hmm. for a bench jeweler. So I went, I took a test, passed the test, and became a bench jeweler at Robert Lee Morris. So that was my uh, entree into the professional jewelry world. This is perfect because it gives me um, a, a better picture of, yeah, of your yeah. background. And to know that you are a bench jeweler mm-hmm. is is makes makes your line even more special because you really oh. do understand the construction of jewelry. Oh, and totally, yes, yes. I, I also okay. just, after working in the jewelry trade, I had another line, but just in addition to being a bench jeweler, I also have a degree in graphic design from Pratt, 
And so I've merged my computer skills with my bench jeweler skills, and I do all the model making in CAD for the pieces in the line. So it's helpful to know how to make jewelry in order to design it. For me, um, you know, I love making things, and I loved making the enamel and, you know, the kind of hands-on process. But I found it very frustrating that things kind of never came out like perfect. (laughs) So (laughs) the beauty of doing it on the computer is that it's perfect. So that just, I think that is more of an aesthetic choice because I know there are a lot of jewelers that really, and I, you know, as a, as a jewelry lover, love to see the handwork and you know there are people who definitely do work that's way more organic than mine but for me it's all about color and shape and so it is a very graphic line so i don't know which comes first Uh okay but um you know i also i have a lot of collections and um one of the things i do collect are vintage travel posters like from the 60s and they're incredibly bright and colorful and they're all throughout my apartment so there's something about that you know that translates into the jewelry for me for me I think it was a good transition and I actually kind of did it in a backwards way I started out as a maker and then transitioned to being a you know to being a graphic designer Uh Um, so kind of this line merges both uh, strands of my artistic trajectory I guess you would say yeah what an interesting path to go from you know one to another and then back again which is so cool but in these days it's so easy to be able to do that especially with with all of the advancements in the CAD CAM and I can see how that would be perfect for your designs because they are so geometric. Have you always been drawn to color? Because your line is, is so colorful. I think one of my favorite pieces that you do, I love all of them, but is the color wheel with all the gemstones on the yeah, outside. Yeah, that's brand new. Yeah. Um, have I always been drawn? Yes. I mean, I've always loved bold jewelry. I am not like a flashy dresser. So I always feel like as long as you have a fabulous piece of jewelry on, like it makes your outfit kind of. So I definitely am drawn to bright colors and kind of off color combinations, if that makes any sense to you. I mean, there's lots of beautiful, serious jewelry and I totally you know, would be happy to have any of it. <laughs> but for me, I just like to make something that's fun and happy and not serious. And I guess that does go along with my aesthetic. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but mm-hmm. I, I do love color. Well, it kind of all ties back to and comes around full circle to your to your name. May came home. I mean, it's so playful and happy and joyful. I can definitely see how that all comes together in your jewelry. Yes, and also um, with that particular poem, it's kind of this idea that if you find a piece of jewelry that you love, be it you know a piece that somebody gave you or you found in a thrift shop or you bought in a store, to me, it's that personal adornment is all about expressing yourself and that's what I love about that poem it's like whatever you find 
express, you know, is an expression of who you are. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I like, that's why I offer so many different color combinations or, you know, a lot of the pieces are two-sided so that you can, you know, you can mix it with other pieces. You can make it your own, even though it's very distinctive. I feel mm-hmm. like it goes kind of with other staples you might have in your wardrobe. I really appreciate is the versatility, how it can switch from one side to the other, mm-hmm. totally different color feel mm-hmm. from, you know, warm to cool on one mm-hmm. side or whatever the color combination mm-hmm. is. So I, I really Definitely. like that. And I really feel that your price points are very friendly for, um, you know, a wide range yes. audience for the young girls who are just starting out working and they want something fabulous to wear it's still a fine piece of jewelry but they're not they're included in in the um in the budget right well i definitely you know i definitely am conscious of that um as a you know as a self-purchaser my you know Mm -hmm. woman i know what i kind of feel comfortable spending without you know, without feeling like this is beyond my budget. So I definitely do think about that for the consumer. Um, And also when I'm designing, because I do the modeling myself, I can kind of think about, well, is this going to add to the labor cost? Because everything is made here in the States. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it is made on 47th Street. Um, And so I just try to think about, like, what's going to be – you know, the, I don't want to say easiest, but what's going to be the least labor intensive so that I definitely am always aware of that mm-hmm. because that's a consideration for all people in purchasing jewelry, you know, and I, I definitely want it to be accessible. I also love how your, your point to wearing something bold when you, especially in New York, the, the colors, especially in the fall and the winter, can be so neutral yes. that wearing a pop of color just makes you feel so good. Yeah, well, that's, that's you know, that's, again, that's like, I definitely am not, you know, a flashy or really expensive dresser. I kind of wear, you know, simple white T-shirts and jeans and, you know, so I feel like that can be really boring if you don't have a great piece of jewelry, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be mine, but... Um, so, yeah, and that is definitely true in New York. New Yorkers like they're black, you know, so... <laughs> it can be very, can be a little grim. I think that is a huge benefit to your jewelry. Besides being so much fun and affordable, it's it's a great addition to a neutral wardrobe. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. great. As I was reading through your your bio, you mentioned your education background and then what influenced your collection. Mm-hmm. And you it says something about your muse. What's your muse? Well, I'm a you know, I'm a born and bred New Yorker and I I walk all over the place because it's really honestly like too annoying to take the subway sometimes, (laughs) Uh especially in the summer. I love going to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That's kind of like my happy place. Uh And I find that it's, I mean, I've been there hundreds of times as well as I actually worked there briefly in my first job out of college. Um, And I, every time I go there, there's something I haven't seen, 
you know, and I just find it an incredible source of inspiration, not just the objects, but, you know, I might zero in on a tiny little detail in a painting or on a, uh, you know, I mean, you can be just like walking down the hallway and there's some incredible thing in a case in the corner that, you know, blink and you'll miss it. So that Mm -hmm. is a tremendous source of inspiration. And then just, you know, the architecture in the city, sometimes you'll see some graffiti on the wall or, or, um, you know, posters that have been torn down and you can see the colors shining through. So I, and I definitely am influenced by other jewelry, um, Mm -hmm. Victorian jewelry, a lot of the symbols I use, like the pigs and the swallows, um, the moons, those are all used very frequently in Victorian jewelry, but I kind of have simplified it and made it more of a modern statement. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, I guess it's the sentimentality of the history that is appealing to me. And of mm-hmm. course, jewelry is an incredibly sentimental thing for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know for myself, I can tell you the story of every single piece of jewelry you know, that I have in my drawer. And I'm, I'm pretty sure most people feel that way about their jewelry. You know, mm-hmm. either it was a gift or it belonged to somebody or you bought it on a trip or you, you know, you saved up for it. So um, I think those things are very inspiring to me as well as just visually, you know, looking for symbols and sort of graphic expression to these other periods in art and jewelry history. What's the significance of the animals? Well, I just, you know what, I, you mean in terms of which ones I've selected or just in general, why? In general, like what's their, what's the historical significance? So like, for example, the pig is a symbol of luck. The um, swallow I think, you know, they, they used to say like it when sailors would return home, they'd see the swallows at the shore so they knew they were home safely. So it's something you can okay. give to somebody if they're going on a journey. What else do I have? I have, I mean, the bunny is just, just honestly, it's cute. The bunnies um, are really cute. Yes, yes, they are. People <laughs> like a bunny. I like a bunny. Um, the doves obviously represent peace and actually that comes from, I worked as a stamp designer for a time at the United Nations. I don't know if you know, but they have a postal service at the UN where they design a certain number of stamp sets per year. And uh-huh. so when I was working there, one of my favorite things to do, we had there was a room that had like the flat folders with a lot of the older stamps. Uh-huh. And obviously the dove is a, an important symbol for the UN. So that you know, I just liked the idea of it represents peace, but it's kind of, you know, not so overt. And people actually like that pendant a lot. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. I, this is why I love talking to um, designers and digging deeper into the stories. Who would, who would ever have known that <laughs> you would have worked at the UN as a no one. designer. That's I so know. cool. Yeah, it was and really cool. It was also in your about page you mentioned I think you mentioned Robert Lee Morris working yes. Yes. with him. And then Christopher Walling. Yes. Um, what did you do with him? So he is a very high end fine jeweler who um does a lot of one of a kind pieces. So I worked in his office helping with the production of the jewelry and, you know, um, 
basically getting the pieces made. So I learned, you know, we didn't, we weren't making them ourselves, but he worked with a lot of very, very um, famous jewelers and stone dealers and pearl dealers. So it was, it was, you know, helping from the point of inception to the point of getting the pieces made. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and that was really interesting. And, you know, I, a world of jewelry I knew nothing about. So that was very fascinating. And he, he's an incredible designer. Wow. I love how you have so much, uh, such a cross variety of experience that all comes together. <laughs> it's a little crazy. It no, it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're a little walking library of I've been very, you know what I've been very lucky I've worked in a lot of amazing places in New York and that's actually you know um, that's actually been a huge you know privilege to be able to do that like I, I worked also in the um, silver jewelry production office at Tiffany's. I, you know, helped process the jewelry orders when they would come in from the various um, vendors that Tiffany's worked with. And mm-hmm. then I also worked as a designer for Carnegie Hall. So I feel like I've worked at all these great New York City institutions, you know, uh-huh. which is really, I feel so lucky to have been able to kind of get a glimpse into the worlds of these places in, you know, my city that I love. So Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, um, I had another question. Do you custom design things? Um, I do kind of within my own aesthetic. I mm-hmm. won't like I can make if, you know, you're having a wedding and all the girls want the same color necklace or to match their dress. I mm-hmm. can totally do that and do that. You know, I'll make things in colors, special colors for people. Um, I don't do like any bridal um, mm-hmm. jewelry, like that sort of custom work. But certainly if somebody wanted something made, I can and will make it. Right. You know, let's okay. say you had a... Um, a design or a drawing of your own, you know, I could make that into an enamel piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if someone wanted to change the colors or if they have... Oh, yeah. A, okay. Yeah. Nice. That I totally do. That I okay. can... I totally do and have done. And, you know, like if you want something... Like, I like it, but I don't like red. I like green or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Are you still in Barney's? No, 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 no. That was so I had this line is only about a year old. So actually, J.A. was the first time putting myself out there for the wholesale market. I had a line, um, you know, so after I worked at Robert Lee Morris and for these uh, for these other jewelers, I created a line that was sold in all these different department stores, including Barney's. But um, then I went back to, you know, then I went back to school. And so the enamel line is relatively new. When you came back after your sabbatical, what, what, did, you, what did you bring back when you came back fresh and ready to start? Well, so I had the, the jewelry line and then I went back to graduate school for graphic design because to some degree I felt, well, two things. One is just it was a bad time in the economy. It was sort of the economy was going into recession and so it was a challenging time to have a business 
and I felt like it would be great to have a skill that I could use to design for myself as well as for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of precipitated the, the move back into graphic design. Um, and then I had my kids and, you know, was involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went back to just making jewelry about, oh gosh, I want to say like 10 years ago. And I just, enamel was what I did, you know, and I, I made these pieces, but I would draw them in two dimension and then I would give them to a model maker to make because I didn't know the CAD program. At some point I just decided, you know what, if I learn how to do the CAD program, be exactly what I want. I won't have to explain it, you know, go back and forth. So just, I've been, you know, as a, just making as an artist and selling in craft shows and, you know, just kind of for my own artistic expression. Um, but I think that um, going back to school for design was super, super helpful for me just in terms of how do you make a line? How do all the pieces relate? How does all the story you're telling relate? Like it's, I think I came back to it with much more, um, with just a much greater sense of, kind of, you know, you're not just making one piece of jewelry, you're making a line and that is a story. And how, to, right. how do you communicate that story? And so that's where I think having the design degree really was helpful for me in kind of um, pointing me in the direction that I wanted to go. Do you know who Cindy Edelstein is? She's I do, yes. So when I, I was fortunate about three years ago, I think it was three years ago, maybe a little longer than that, um, MJSA had this thing called CONFAB. And so it was sort of a conference about, you know, how to start a jewelry business. And um, I went and I heard her speak. And I, one of the things that really impressed me is when she was talking about a lot of other designers, like she would say, you know, Todd Reed owns Raw Diamonds or David Yerman owns, you know, Twisted Wire or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally Mm -hmm. paraphrasing. And I just thought, you know what? Color, that's my thing. I'm just going to stick with that. I just tried to do something that would be distinctive enough that Mm -hmm. it would stand out so that I really was so impressed with your line. I'm glad you you felt that way. And I, I thank you. I really enjoyed hearing more about your story. Thank you. Yeah. Fun talking to you. Debbie, thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. And it was great meeting with meeting you and speaking with you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed hearing Debbie's story and how she came to create her line May Came Home. I love that she uses enamel for her jewelry. It's so colorful. And it really did attract me at the JA show. I was thrilled to meet her along with all nine other designers at the JA show. And what's so intriguing about her enamel work is that being the size of the designs that she uses, to use an actual gemstone for that, for a lot of gems, would be cost prohibitive. So the use of color with her enamel work make it such a perfect price point for just about anyone. You can find May Came Home Jewelry at maycamehome.com. She's on Instagram as well at maycamehomejewelry. Hey, I just want to apologize for the sound quality. I know it's a little different than normal. I was testing out a new arrangement, but I'm working on that. So hopefully next time it'll sound a lot better. 
And next week, be sure to follow along because I have a really exciting announcement. Watch for the next episode and keep an eye on my Instagram because I have an exciting announcement to make. I'm so excited to have been sharing these jeweler stories with you and other helpful jewelry tips. If you've enjoyed listening to these first 19 episodes of Jewelry Navigator, make sure you leave a review in iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. I would really appreciate it. I'd love to hear from some of you too. Please touch base with me on Facebook or Instagram. You can also email me at Brenna at JewelryNavigator.com. And until next time, in case of a jewelry emergency, breathe normally, fasten your safety chain before assisting others with theirs. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.